Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. Got some stuff to talk to you about today and some music too. Music too. Is that what I wanted to say? Ah, not too sure about that. Let's try again. Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. Got some stuff to talk to you about today and some music as well. <laughs> Still doesn't sound quite quite unimaginative, this intro, isn't it? Let's just try it one more time. Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. Let's have a tune.
Right, here's an idea, and it's just an idea, OK. I think it would be useful to explain the whole bridge away from utopia concept to children or to people in general. So what I think would be a good idea would be to build a scale model of the bridge itself, even though the bridge is technically a metaphor. You know what I'm talking about, right? The bridge away from utopia. I've mentioned this before, haven't I? Have I? Have I? Actually, my mistake. I was going to mention it a couple of weeks ago, but I got caught up telling a story about a man who gets beaten at table tennis by his own clone. So I didn't get round to mentioning the bridge away from Utopia. Right, so yeah, I'll tell you what, you're going to like this one. The bridge away from Utopia can best be described as, let's put it this way, I was originally going to call it the bridge between Utopia and Dystopia, which is what it is. So you have Utopia on one side of the bridge. Did I mention, by the way, this is a metaphor, right? It's not an actual bridge, it's an imaginary bridge. But also, it's a reflection of how different societies operate, so it's kind of a microcosm of absolutely everything, from the current state of the world to the entirety of human history. So there's a lot going on, right, with this bridge, this imaginary bridge, with utopia on one side and dystopia on the other. So you know what I mean when I say utopia, right? It's like the perfect society, or as close to perfection as it's possible to get, give or take a little bit of human error. And when I say a little bit of human error, I don't mean acts of mass genocide or anything like that. That's what happens on the opposite side of the bridge. On the utopia side, when I use the expression human error, I'm referring to the fact that it's not always possible for the buses to run on time. But the utopian side of the bridge, you have a society in which all people are treated equally. Everyone gets an equal share of everything. Everyone has the freedom to do what they want, provided that it doesn't interfere with other people's freedoms. Everyone gets along nicely, that sort of thing. It's not entirely possible because the whole concept of utopia relies on the assumption that at some point we can achieve a state in which everyone broadly agrees with everyone else. So that's why it's called the bridge away from utopia, because you can very easily cross to the other side of the bridge, because the other side of the bridge relies on the opposite principle, the principle of conflict, of disagreement, and, you know, acts of mass genocide, stuff like that. And this uh, genocide business is quite important, actually. Yeah, it is. It's important to understand that the measure of how well a society is doing, how close it is to the utopian side of the bridge, the easiest way of measuring how close a society is to a utopian state is to look at how well that society treats its minority groups. You have the utopian side where diversity is celebrated. Actually, once you've fully reached the utopian side, you don't actually have to celebrate diversity. That would actually be a bit weird if you did that in a utopian society in which everyone's equal by default anyway. You don't need to do that on the fun side of the bridge. Celebrating diversity is the sort of thing you do at step one. Step one is the first step away from utopia, by the way. We'll come to the steps later on. It's a shame I haven't established this already. I just got a bit caught up with a story about the two clones playing ping pong. But that's OK. We can establish the details as we go along. What was I trying to say? Yeah, so we can understand the different stages of the bridge based on how well any given society treats its minority groups. OK, so on the utopian side, diversity is just a thing that exists. You don't need to celebrate it. It's a bit like celebrating cauliflower. Hurrah for cauliflowers. It's a thing that exists. And on the dystopian side of the bridge, diversity ends up being kind of eradicated by, you know, these 
acts of mass genocide that I keep mentioning. And I keep mentioning them because they kind of keep on happening throughout history. Not just throughout history, there are active genocidal campaigns taking place as we speak. And it's all because the dystopian side of the bridge is much easier to get to than the utopian side. That's why it's called the bridge away from utopia, rather than the other way around. You see what I mean? And the interesting thing is, there are only three steps on the bridge. You can see that as a negative, if you like. If you're a glass-half-empty kind of person, here's how easy it is to turn a society into a dystopia. Three steps. But in a way, the bridge away from utopia is a misleading name because what happens is most societies, most nation-states, kind of end up hovering somewhere around the middle of the bridge. Often it's a case of moving from step one to step two and back again, occasionally venturing onto step three and then going, actually, step three is a little bit horrifying. Let's move back to step two at the very least. Now, the interesting thing is, I'm aware of the fact that the world doesn't necessarily revolve around the idea that everyone ought to be treated equally. It's kind of a nice idea. But I can hear all you economists out there saying, hey, Frank, I like this idea about the imaginary bridge and everything. It's neat, as the Americans would say. It's a neat little metaphor. But why are you focusing entirely on the treatment of minority groups? I'm an economist, and I see the world in terms of economic factors. And as a proponent of free market capitalism, I believe that all people should have free access to the market, regardless of their race, gender or sexuality. So your focusing on one particular society's treatment of minority groups doesn't hold water in today's globalised marketplace. To which I should reply, thanks economists, your thoughts are important to us. You are, of course, entitled to your belief system, and it is just that, a belief system which happens to be one of the predominant ones at the moment. At some point in history, people thought the earth was flat. It's no longer one of the predominant belief systems. There are people who believe the earth is flat, and they tend to get ridiculed quite a lot. Perhaps in a later age, there'll be various social media groups formed by proponents of free market capitalism. And most people will be like, yeah, just let them get on with it. They're not really doing anyone any harm. Other people would be like, yeah, but wasn't that theory of theirs debunked centuries ago? And everyone else would be like, yeah, but let them have their little club. Maybe it's healthy in its own weird way. Oh yes, and before I forget, all you proponents of globalised free market capitalism out there, I know you're all big fans of the show and I do thank you for listening, but one final point before we move on. This belief system of yours is going to come in very handy when we discuss step number three later on. But we're probably better off focusing on step number one first, so here we go. Step number one is the first step away from utopia. But because, like I was saying, societies tend to move back and forth between the steps on the ladder rather than settling on one side or another. So step number one is a step away from utopia, sure, but it's also a step away from step number two. Let's just summarise step number one. It's as close to utopia as a society can possibly be if a society has both feet on step one, and I believe there are countries in the world who actually do have both feet on step number one, I hope I'm not being naive here. Arguably, there have been numerous societies throughout history with both feet on step number one. There may even have been societies with one foot on the utopian side of the bridge. And if it hadn't been for that other foot stuck at stage one, maybe we'd all be on the utopian side by now. But as I've said, it's not really possible to cross all the way to the utopia side of the bridge. 
everyone has to broadly agree with everyone else in order for that to happen. It's kind of ironic, I suppose, that if you step all the way across to the dystopian side of the bridge, which, as I've said, is very easily done, it's only three steps. If you step all the way across to the dystopian side, they do kind of get things done on that side of the bridge, to the extent that everyone does end up broadly agreeing with each other in the end, because anyone who disagrees gets killed. So there is that to say about the dystopian side of the bridge. At least they have found a solution to the problem of people not agreeing on certain things. It's just unfortunate that their solution happens to be acts of mass genocide. And I'm sorry to keep bringing this up, but it's kind of an important subject. I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that if society keeps moving in a certain direction, that's what happens. We've seen this time and time again throughout history, not just history, the present day. These things are happening right now. And if you think free market capitalism is going to solve all of these problems, you are every bit as deluded as the Flat Earth Society, which, by the way, is an actual society. I didn't just make that up to prove some kind of point. The Flat Earth Society have proven my point for me by virtue of the fact that they actually exist. They're not characters from a J.G. Ballard short story or some wacky Monty Python sketch from the 70s. They are actual human beings who believe that the Earth is flat. Now, you may laugh at that, but bear in mind, there are actual human beings who believe that free market capitalism is somehow going to solve all the world's problems. Because, like, yeah, it's been doing such a grand job so far. We'll discuss this further when we get to stage three. As I say, everything hinges on a society's treatment of its minority groups. Let's take a look at step number one. This society doesn't necessarily see itself as a step away from utopia. It sees itself as a step towards utopia and because it's also a step away from number two measures have been put in place to make society a fairer a more equal place for everyone regardless of where they're from or who they are social reforms changes in the law all sorts of other positivity measures if a society reaches step one particularly if they have both feet on step one and they're edging towards that first step onto the favorable side of the bridge it's like they're almost there. They've almost reached a state of being at permanent peace and fairness and acceptance and happiness. But still, there's those elements within society that are dragging them back. People start saying things like, oh, oh, everyone's equal now, are they? Well, I don't like the sound of that. How come all these immigrants and bisexuals and paraplegics get all the same things that I get, even though I had the good sense to have been born in this country and be heterosexual and be able to walk on two legs? Now, all these people have got access to the same stuff that I've got. And before you know it, these disgruntled elements within society get exploited by the guys at the top of command, some of whom have got their eyes on the other side of the bridge. They really like the look of the other side of the bridge. And they're thinking, well, let's carry on manipulating these prejudices within society. We can't cross all the way over to the other side of the bridge overnight. But at the very least, we can make it back, or at least forwards, onto step number two. So, step number two. Society no longer has its eye on some pie-in-the-sky utopia anymore. Those reforms I mentioned earlier, the ones that made people equal, they've been dismantled. Too much pandering to these pie-in-the-sky utopian idealists who just want to give a piece of our hard-earned pie away to all these undeserving minority groups who probably don't even know what a pie is anyway. Stage two is where legislation is implemented to make life that extra little bit harder for people from minority groups. It's not all about minority groups, Frank. Oh, hello, it's you again. 
Yes, it's me again. I'm here to tell you, society is governed by economic principles which do not discriminate against the disadvantaged, but actually make it possible for a person from a lower income group to progress onto being a person from a higher income group, regardless of their race or their class or their religion or anything like that. Sure, economist, sure. Technically, you're not wrong. Okay. But really, that's just some, and I hate to use your own words against you here, but what you're propagating is some pie-in-the-sky nonsense. You're trying to sell me a system that has been statistically proven to discriminate against the majority of people in the world, and your dodgy sales patter is somehow managing to make it sound like everyone gets a fair deal. Shut up until we get to stage three, which is where you belong, and also, just to reinforce the point, that's one step away from acts of mass genocide, because society is not all about economics. Society is all about how we treat minority groups. Oh, there we go. Got that off my chest. Let's move on to stage three now, actually. I think you get the point about stage number two. Stage number three is a very interesting one, because on stage number three, you actually start to think, maybe we've crossed the bridge now. Maybe this is utopia. Maybe we've done it, guys. We Problems? What problems? We've solved all the problems, haven't we? when we brought all of that legislation in to stop the immigrants coming in and to stop all those pie-in-the-sky utopianists from staging protests. We've solved all these problems now. We've got this great leader now as well, this charismatic leader who's come in, and people respect him because even though he's an establishment figure himself, somehow he's uh, anti-establishment as well. He's got funny hair, but that's kind of charming in its own way. He's a quirky character, all right. Not afraid to be politically incorrect, thank God. He's on the side of the people. He's doing what's right. He's silencing all these dissenters. He's going to keep all the immigrants out of the country. He's a great man. So now we're a great nation. We're the greatest nation on earth, as a matter of fact. Everyone's waving their flags around in celebration. This is really great stuff. We don't have any problems. Oh, and by the way, some of the things I just said about the immigrants and the dissenters and us being the greatest nation on earth, that doesn't make me... Uh, I'm not a racist or anything, right? As a matter of fact, I'm a proponent of globalised free market capitalism, which doesn't discriminate against anyone. You see, it's all just a matter of economics. We're almost there, actually. We're almost there. We're almost at utopia level. Thank God we finally made it to step one on the utopia ladder. It's interesting, isn't it? Step three is basically a denial of its own position on the bridge. If people at step three actually realise they're at step three, they won't be able to handle it. They'll be straight back onto step two again before you know it. At least step two has its own kind of stability, being as it is, bang in the middle of the bridge. There's some safety there in the middle of the bridge away from those two extremes. But sometimes stage three takes hold properly and people start believing they're one step away from utopia. They can see it. Utopia is almost upon them. All they have to do is somehow solve this inconvenient problem of the immigrants and the dissidents. If these inconvenient people weren't around anymore, they could just step freely across to paradise. Usually what happens at this point is that society opens one of its eyes, realises it's been at step three for a worrying length of time, and quietly steps back towards that safe middle part of the bridge. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes, despite significant numbers of people shouting as loud as they possibly can, we're on step three! 
All anyone else can hear is some extremist nonsense from the pie-in-the-sky utopianists who are clearly facing in the wrong direction, and then one day it happens. Society places both of its feet on the wrong side of the bridge, and you wake up one morning and you think to yourself, I know what to do. All these immigrants and dissidents and homosexuals and vegetarians and liberals and wheelchair-using utopianists, why don't we just kill them all? Round them all up, kill them all, and then at the very least, everyone who's left can agree that that was a good idea, and if there's anyone who's left who doesn't think that was a good idea, we'll just kill them as well. So that's what happens when you go to the wrong side of the bridge. Now, I've probably oversimplified things a little bit there, but I actually do think this is a pretty watertight metaphor I've devised. Every single society on Earth can be placed onto one of these steps. I do get people from all over the world listening to this, which I think is a great thing, so you can all join in this little game. Place your country on the step that corresponds with the stage your society's at. Quite often it's one foot on two, the other on three, that sort of thing. And positions on the bridge are shifting all the time. Isn't that right, Americans? You guys spent four whole years with both feet on step number three. That's like playing snakes and ladders. And every roll of a dice puts you one square away from a massive python. Constantly for four years. You've got at least one foot back on step two now, by my reckoning, which is the position you seem to be most comfortable with. I'm not having a go at you guys. Britain officially place both feet on step three, arguably for the first time since the 1940s. It only happened the other day. We've spent the whole of my lifetime straddling steps one and two. We've had both feet on step two for a good few years, and now, yeah, we're here. We're on step three. It happened last month. March 2021. This probably didn't get reported in many places other than the UK itself, so our international listeners won't necessarily know this, but in March 2021... And bearing in mind, by the way, our recent history includes the Grenfell Tower disaster, the Windrush scandal, plus countless reports providing irrefutable evidence of discrimination and racial profiling by the British police. In March 2021, the government published this thing called the Report on the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, which categorically stated that institutional racism doesn't exist. Oh, and also... One of the recommendations in this report stated that it was wrong for educational institutions to focus on the negative implications of aspects of history such as colonialism and Britain's role in the slave trade. Seriously, that's what it says. But that's because we're at stage three now where up is down and bad is good. Sure, let's teach our kids about the positive impact colonialism and the slave trade had on the world back in the good old days. Beware of that expression, by the way. It's a concept that world leaders have a lot of fun exploiting for their own ends. As a general rule, there are some notable exceptions. But as a general rule, there's a simple, easy means of analysing our politicians' rhetoric. Any politician who tells you they're going to fix things so that society will return to how it was in the good old days, every single one of them are leading you towards the wrong end of the bridge. If a politician says they'd like to lead you towards a bright future, well, that sounds better. Unless they're lying, of course, which has been known to happen. That's where these notable exceptions come in. Not everyone who claims to be leading you towards a bright future is telling the truth. You know, Joseph Stalin springs to mind. But what I can say with a fairly high degree of certainty is that there is no leader in human history who got elected after promising to return their country to the good old days who then successfully shifted their country's position towards the utopian side of the bridge.
because to get there you have to positively embrace your society's minority groups, which you can't do without openly contradicting your campaign pledges. Because taking society back to the good old days means only one thing. It doesn't mean going back to a simpler or more prosperous time. It never means that. Taking society back to the good old days means let's have things the way they used to be before all these immigrants arrived and before it became acceptable for members of the same sex to hold hands in public, before women were allowed to vote, stuff like that. And sure, OK, you may not have the same world view as me. You may be listening to this thinking, absolutely right. We do need to get rid of all the people I don't like the look of. That would solve all of my problems. You're entitled to that view, but also take a look at what happens when you get past step three, when you enter the wrong side of the bridge. This isn't going to solve your problems. Sure, the people who you don't like the look of are all being killed. The trouble is, once the killing starts, you can't stop it. Maybe you'll be next. Was it worth all of this talk about taking things back to the olden days? Is your idea of the olden days accurate, by the way? Have you looked into it? I'm just saying, maybe it wasn't the utopian world you seem to think it was. And now you're on the wrong side of the bridge, and you're learning the hard way. Or maybe you haven't learned anything. Even while you yourself are the next head on the chopping block, maybe your final thoughts are, well, at least we got rid of those immigrants. You see, there's a lot of talk about freedom. That's another one of these words that these politicians use, the ones who keep harping on about the good old days. They use that word freedom a lot. That's another sign that you've entered step three, by the way. You'll be hearing the word freedom over and over again. It'll get under your skin. It'll make you believe that you're heading towards a world of total freedom, the freedom to be who you want to be. But you're on step three, where black means white and up means down. Where you're going, there is no freedom. Open your eyes for a moment. Take a glance towards utopia. The actual utopia. The one you're walking away from. That's what freedom looks like. These guys with a weird hair, who keep barking the word freedom at you, there's one thing they haven't told you, and that is this. Freedom can only be achieved when everyone is free. There you have it. So my idea is to devise a way of explaining all this to children. Like, you wouldn't need to go into the ins and outs of, you know, acts of mass genocide, blah, blah, blah. Just say something like, this is the side of the bridge where the bad things happen. Imagine a theme park where all the rides are broken and in which various people are being rounded up and cast a spell on that banishes them in some way. Wouldn't it be better to be on the other side of the bridge where all the rides work and you don't have to queue? Or at least, you wouldn't have to queue for very long? And probably... While you're queuing, there'll be some kind of live entertainment, like a band playing. Whatever bands are popular with the young people in this day and age, I don't know. I'm out of touch. Do they have bands anymore? <laughs> I don't even know that. So I'm thinking of turning all of this into some kind of children's book. And maybe construct a model of the bridge, like a plastic toy. Sustainable plastic, you know, made out of bamboo or whatever. How'd you like that? Do you think that'll take off? Probably not. Actually, just, just forget the whole thing. It's a bit of a non-starter. Let's have a tune.
Desde el lo armario viene conectado con todo el universo. Burton. My website is frankburton.co.uk on which you can find out all the details of my books which are available to buy. A History of Sarcasm, 100, Everything I Am and the new one, Getting Away With It, which is a brilliant, brilliant thing. My other podcast is I Like The Sound. Please do subscribe to that, check it out, give it a listen. It is absolutely brilliant as well. I will see you very soon. Enjoy yourself.